Well, so far this month, we have learned about different means of grace. We've learned about prayer. We've learned about studying scripture. And last week, we learned about fasting. Um, all of these ways that we can seek God, and in turn, we get to experience God's presence and experience his grace um, and grow in our faith. And we said last week that fasting is one of the most overlooked means of grace, right? Um, sometimes we can uh, be intimidated by it, and so we just haven't tried fasting before. And today's means of grace, I also think, is very overlooked. Um, but maybe it's not because um, it's intimidating to us or because we're nervous to try it out. But I think that it's overlooked because, one, people just don't have an understanding that this is a means of grace and a spiritual discipline. And two, people's hearts, our hearts, are often not in the right place for it. And this practice is something called holy conferencing. Right? Maybe you've never heard of it. We're going to learn about it today together. Holy conferencing. I want you to think about this scenario. Okay, just imagine for a moment. Imagine that you are in a church meeting, listening to someone share an idea or an opinion, and then someone else interjects and says that they disagree. All right? And then suddenly, um, participants are choosing sides over who they agree with and who they disagree with. A few people over here say, no, I agree with that first person's opinion. But then a few people over here are yelling over that person. And then two people over here are whispering and pointing their fingers. And then all of a sudden, voices are raised and fingers are pointed and eyes are rolled and insults are thrown around. There does not seem to be much grace in this meeting present. I mean, a lot of us have been in a similar situation to that. Um, I know I have. I've been in a couple of them. Um, my first appointment was at a church. It's now uh, closed down now, sadly. Um, but this church, it was a church with very few people and very little money, all right? A lot fewer and a lot less money than we have. Um, and the church was originally actually three congregations. So it was a merger church. It was three congregations, and they had merged into one um, single church. But when they merged, they, for some reason, kept all three buildings. And so this church was a church with little people and little money, and they were now having to pay the bills for three buildings, pay for upkeep for three buildings, not to mention the other struggles that they had on, you know, getting visitors to come and getting enough volunteers to do the things necessary. And eventually we got to the point where um, we had to consider selling a building or two. And we had a church called Church Conference over that. And at this conference um, where I and my district superintendent were present, it was one of those situations where you walk into the room and you just know this is not going to be good. <laughs> okay? I just knew this is not going to be pretty. Um, I could tell that the vibes were off. Um, people were not giving me smiles in return. Um, people were kind of in their own little cliques, not talking to one another. Um, I just knew it was not going to be a pretty, a pretty sight. And the meeting quickly fell into chaos. And it wasn't just the, the general chaos of trying to make a difficult decision. But this was the chaos um, that involved people pointing fingers, uh, name-calling, insulting one another's character, um, yelling, crying. Um, it's, it was difficult to find grace in that situation. Another time... I attended a North Alabama conference, and this was before uh, many local churches had disaffiliated and, and left, and so there was just a lot of tension 
in the room um, because of disagreements and differing opinions. And people held hostility toward each other and there was some resentment. And once again, it was one of those situations where you would come into one of the sessions and it just fell off. You knew it was not gonna be pretty. And uh, there's a time at annual conference where resolutions or changes are presented. And then there's a time where people can walk up to microphones like in the aisles and they can um, present if they agree or if they disagree with that resolution in order for it to be passed. And at this time, at this conference, um, it, was, it was difficult to see the grace in that situation because um, tensions were high, anger was high, and when one of the resolutions uh, were proposed, instead of acting with grace towards one another, people clapped when they agreed and then they booed when they disagreed. Okay? So it's difficult a difficult situation. Sadly, our experiences with conferences, with meetings, um, and any kind, really, of serious conversations that we have with one another, with fellow believers, it's often marked by division and vitriol. Sadly, that shouldn't be the case, but it is. But could it be possible that God is trying to teach us something about grace in these difficult conversations? Could it be that God wants to be a part of that conversation and teach us how to speak to one another with love? John Wesley would answer with a resounding yes. Yes. John Wesley said that holy conferencing was a means of grace. So what is holy conferencing? Holy conferencing is a practice in which we gather with other Christian believers in order to discern God's will for us through conversation, all right? So this can take place in actually a multitude of ways. It can take place in conferences and in committee meetings, trustees meetings. Um, it can take place in small groups, in Bible studies. Any gathering in which you have conversations through which God can work, that is holy conferencing. When we use the term today, we often think of it in terms of conferences, because that's in, in the phrase, right? Holy conferencing. Um, and, and that is applicable to United Methodists everywhere. Um, we have church-wide conferences, you know, just with our church. We have annual conferences through all of the United Methodists in North Alabama. And then we have general conferences, which are the conferences with every United Methodist everywhere in the whole globe. Um, but these conferences can be a way in which God moves and shares his grace with us. So these events are not just conferences, they're holy conferences. They're holy because it involves God. It's seeking God's will and God's plans for our church. That's what makes our conferences and meetings different than just say a business's meetings or a school's meetings and conferences because ours involves seeking God's will. And so something that seems just like the business of the church turns into worship somehow. It's a means of grace. In holy conferencing, participants are encouraged to discern the Holy Spirit in their decision-making process. It's not decisions you make lightly. You're discerning what God wants you to do. And this includes easy, simple decisions and the more difficult ones. And as we talked about earlier, we know that those difficult decisions often can bring out the nastiness in us. They can. 
can be hard to remain calm and understanding. But one of our bishops says that the term holy conferencing reflects that in our speech, in our actions, and in our relationships, we're looking for a more excellent way in how we treat each other. Because of Jesus Christ, we know there is a better way to communicate and make decisions than what we're used to. There's a better way. Our current bishop of the North Alabama Conference, she has done, I think, a wonderful job with this, um, guiding us through some difficult experiences. And at every conference, she reminds us that what we're doing is holy. It is a spiritual discipline. And so she encourages us to have polite, respectful, and grace-filled conversations with each other, especially around things that we disagree on. And so another way that we can think of holy conferencing is holy conversation. Holy conversation. Holy conversation, number one, is always led by the Holy Spirit. Because if we are filled with the fruit of the Spirit, if we are going to talk to each other with patience, with gentleness, with love and kindness, um, then we're going to be led by the Spirit. We're going to be filled with the Spirit. If we go into a meeting or a conference or an important conversation um, with pride and with just wanting to get our point across or trying to win an argument, we aren't led by the Holy Spirit. Number two, holy conversation helps us encounter God. Because when we have discussions with people, especially people we disagree with, God opens our hearts to see things from a different perspective. God works on our hearts to soften them. And God challenges us to have grace and forgiveness. And when your heart is in that posture, you're giving God space, you're giving God room to move. And number three, holy conversation helps us grow in holiness. It helps us grow in holiness. These discussions that we have with other Christians, they should teach us something. Uh, they should help grow our faith. Often they convict us and challenge us. The result of having holy conversation is that we are being sanctified. I know that at that annual conference I attended where there was some tension and division, I know that that was a spiritual discipline for me to be a part of that because God was convicting me on how I viewed people and how I treated people and how I loved people. It helped me to grow in holiness. So hopefully now you have a better understanding of what holy conferencing is. And I want us to go through the other W's, right? There's who, what, when, where, and why. So we already talked about what holy conferencing is. Well, who can be a part of holy conferencing? The answer is everyone. Everyone. Everyone can be a part of it. But the ones who will truly benefit from holy conferencing are those who are really listening for God's voice and are open to God's direction within their conversations. You can be a part of holy conferencing, but you might not get anything out of it because your heart's not open to what God is trying to teach you. If you come to holy conferencing with your own agendas and your own pride, you may not get much out of it because God is trying to reveal his grace to you, not affirm your own agenda. Okay? God is trying to reveal his grace to you. When and where is holy conferencing? Well, I want to challenge you that it doesn't just happen within the room of a conference 
or a meeting. It can't happen in those places, but holy conferencing should happen every single day, wherever and whenever you are meeting with other Christians. When you're at a Bible study and you're having a conversation about what you believe a passage of scripture means, that's holy conferencing. When you're at a coffee shop with a friend and you're sharing about how God has moved in your life or you're asking for prayer or for advice, that is holy conferencing. In today's digital age, maybe holy conferencing can even happen online, maybe on a Facebook post. And so I ask you, are you seeing conversations on Facebook as an opportunity for growth or are you just being a comment warrior and trying to get your point across and win an argument? Maybe, just maybe, every single conversation that we have can be holy. And lastly, why do we participate in holy conferencing? Well, conferencing is a part of our heritage as United Methodists. Um, we're called Methodists because we have a method to everything, right? That's why we have so many committees and meetings and conferences. Um, but it's also important to our heritage through small groups. When John Wesley was starting this um, fresh, uh, fresh expression of faith, he started it within a small group. Um, a group of believers who met together to talk about life, to share their struggles and their joys with one another, to discuss some hard topics, to grow in their faith and be sanctified together. And so we too can experience the joys of holy conferencing through small groups. Um, Mike Shipley, our lay leader, is starting a small group, a Bible study soon in the next month for Lent. And so I encourage you to go be a part of that Bible study. Um, you're holy conferencing in that Bible study. Um, I encourage you to get involved with our men's group or our women's group or youth group or young adults. Start going to Sunday school because in these small groups, you're going to grow in your faith and you're going to meet with God and experience his grace. I really, truly believe that God is speaking a clear message to us in this time in this country right now, and that is there has to be a better way to speak to each other and be in relationship with one another. There has to be a better way. And I wish that I could say that it's just in politics where we insult each other, but it's not. It happens in our churches too. There has to be a better way. Colossians 3 says, Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on or be clothed with, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other. And if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. As the Lord forgave you, also forgive one another. And over all these things, above all of this, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you were called in one body. We are one body to be united by the peace of Christ. Whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God through him.
The scripture might have been written for a different church a long time ago, but it's still very relevant today. It teaches us that in our interactions with people, we should remember that every person is a child of God. They are loved by God. When you start to view someone else as a child of God and that God loves them just like God loves you, that's going to change the way that you treat them. It should at least. The scripture teaches us that we should listen more than we speak. We shouldn't always try to get our word in and get the last word and say our opinion. We should listen more than we speak. We should try to understand how and why someone came to the opinion that they have. Don't just judge them as soon as they say their opinion. Don't jump to conclusions. Have empathy. Try to understand how they came to that opinion. They have an experience in life that made them think that and believe that. We can have empathy and try to understand. We can avoid using inflammatory language, derogatory names, and speaking angrily and loudly. There's a better way. The scripture teaches us to not hold grudges and let it affect the way that we view someone. Instead, we should forgive them. We should be a people who can just let things go. Right? I mean, how often do we just let it go? Just let it go. Forgive one another. Be quick to forgive. The scripture tells us to keep peacefulness between people a priority. The peace of Jesus should control everything that we do. And so we should be wanting to see peace between people, not more division. We should be sowing peace. And then lastly, it tells us that all our words and actions should be inspired and motivated by Jesus Christ. And if we really think about that, that's going to change the way that we communicate with one another. And I just love that it says, over all these things, put on love. Put on love. Love is the perfect bond of unity. If we can love one another, then we can be united. And the body of Christ needs to be united. We are one body. One body. Not multiple bodies. Even though we have lots of churches in Alabama, we are one body. So that means if you disagree with someone who's Baptist, if you disagree with someone who's non-denominational, some things, just let it go. We are one body. One body. And um, When you have conversations about difficult topics or you're conversing with people who have different opinions than you, you really are going to grow. Um, sometimes you might be set in what you believe, and then somebody else brings up a really good point, and then you're just all of a sudden really growing in your faith or seeking God for answers. So this is a wonderful means of grace that um, you can grow in your faith, and then you're also teaching, you're also learning that more excellent way, right, that that bishop talked about. There's a more excellent way to communicate with one another. So let's pray. Thank you, God, for... Um, for teaching us a better way. Um, through the example of Jesus, you have taught us how to communicate with one another with love and gentleness and peacefulness. And so, God, I ask you that um, in every conversation we have, that you would remind us of your character and that you would move us to be more like you. And, and not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of those who see us. Lord, we want to be 
followers of you who, who make more followers, who make more disciples. And God, we know that when we treat each other with hatefulness and division, people might not want to be a part of that. And so God, I ask that you would just continue to work in us and continue to move in us, that we may grow as your followers and maybe bring some more along the way. And we pray this in your name. Amen.